You're listening to a Church Doctor production. You're listening to the Big Church, Small Church podcast with John Hunter. Conversations and tips for churches to engage in outreach communities to reach new people for God in your neighborhood. Welcome to the Big Church, Small Church podcast. In today's episode, we are going to look at the topic of the Great Commission or the Great Omission. How do we spend our time, energy, and resources in the church? Because how we do that really matters. I want to talk today about discipleship. That's the command that Jesus gave his disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. Talks about in Matthew chapter 28. Yet does the church continue to go on and make disciples that make disciples? Are we concentrated on multiplying leaders in the kingdom of God? Let me give you a scenario. Church A has a youth group with 50 students. They have a gifted leader who is great at gathering large groups. This leader, he has it all. He's a dynamic speaker, organizes epic events for kids, is a lot of fun to be around, and is great at connecting kids on a relational level. This leader can truly do it all. Church B, on the other hand, has a youth group of only, let's say, uh, 15 students. This leader is at best very average in gifting and skills. It's not that dynamic when it comes to speaking and isn't very organized at doing events, but he has the same passion And uh, though it doesn't have the skills or the resources of uh, A, has the same heart for God. However, in church B, this youth leader shares his ministry with three other leaders. He spends time training, equipping, and pouring his life into three other leaders each week. So let me ask you this, which one will be more effective for the kingdom? Well, let's look at Church A. At first glance, Church A sounds obviously like the more successful youth group, right? This youth group is likely going to continue and to grow. But B has the potential to start three other youth groups because he has spent his time investing into three leaders. Now, if Church B actually sends these other leaders to start other ministries. It has the potential to multiply that ministry. It's a lot slower, but it's the way, the same way that Jesus set up his ministry. And over time, Church B will actually have way more students and reach more students than Church A. Church A will live and uh, die on the sole leader of that church in church A. But in B, the ministry will continue to multiply. The it doesn't matter whether you know the leader in church B disappears, that that, that ministry will continue to multiply and to grow um, exponentially. Jesus's main assignment and command for the church is the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus commands his disciples to go and make other disciples. He goes and tells them, what I want you to do is I want you to go and do 
everything that I've taught you, everything that I have modeled to you, everything in my ministry, it's like a big arrow pointing backwards uh, in Matthew. Do everything that I have done. You are going to go do the same. You're going to become, well, Christians, right? You're going to be little Christ's. And I know that that term doesn't come up until the church of Antioch, but literally that's exactly what they're going to be. They're going to be little Christ everywhere. Jesus spent the majority of his time. All right, get this. He had three years of public ministry. All right. He died, I think, at age 33. So he had uh, started his ministry around age 30. So he had basically about three years of ministry to save the world, right? That's what he came to do. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Uh, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So, right, anybody who has faith in Jesus, anybody who follows Jesus and puts their trust in him will be saved. Jesus came to save the world. So his main strategy is not with the crowds, even though he has crowds around them. Uh, if you read the Gospels, the crowds kind of, they're, they're there for the miracles, but then they kind of, they get disappointed and most of them leave, right? They get frustrated and it's not about the big, with Jesus, it's not even about the big crowds, right? He spends the most of his time investing into 12 guys. All right, get this. When Jesus died on the cross, when he uh, was brought before and put on trial and uh, he died on the cross, those 12 believers all abandoned him. None were there. Of course, Peter denied him three times. Judas completely gave Jesus up and he was one of those 12 guys. And even after the resurrection, so Judas is completely out of the picture. So now you're down to 11 guys. Okay. You have 11 guys that you have invested in through three years of ministry. You had one assignment to go and save the world and this is how you do it. And so after the resurrection, it says actually in Matthew 28, 17, um, it, it says that the disciples, some of the disciples still had doubts. At the end of Luke, some of them still had doubts. Uh, it says they also had doubts and some of them just thought he was a ghost, right? So there, there is a lot going on here, which seems like uh, Jesus is about ready to leave his ministry. He's about ready to ascend, go to heaven and send his spirit and put basically these guys in charge of the ministry of the kingdom of God. And this is the strategy. This to me, like, again, looks like it's not going to work. Uh, if I was Jesus at this point, I had been like, no, I need to stick around for at least like three more years. You guys definitely did not get it. I do not feel very confident in handing my ministry over to you guys. But the power of the Holy Spirit comes on the 11 disciples 12 after they, again, they, you know, they, they selected the other disciple, which I'm having a hard time remembering his name at this point, because he's nowhere to be found after this, right? The, the story of Acts mainly follows Peter and then Paul. But um, the amazing thing is that even with these 11 uh, disciples, they become full of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus sends them to go and continue the message and ministry of Jesus. N.T. Wright basically talks about how in Luke is all about the message and ministry of Jesus. Like if it was a movie, that would be like part one. Um, it would be like, um, you know, it would be part one of a movie series. And 
the Acts of the Apostles, which we, we talk about as the Acts of the Apostles, would actually, he talks about it as it would be better named if it would be kind of the Acts of Jesus Part 2. So it's like the sequel of Luke. Like Luke writes both of these books, but actually it's like the sequel of this. Like it's not just the, the apostles are going out and doing the, the work and the ministry of Jesus, that actually Jesus multiplies himself by putting his spirit in his disciples, that they, they move and they do the ministry of Jesus in multiple locations, in multiple ways, that before Jesus could only be in one place at one time. And yes, he did great miracles and he spoke with authority and lives were transformed, right? We read about that in the gospels and it's amazing. But in the book of Acts and even in the church today, that this continues that and Jesus says this before he leaves. He says that you guys, uh, he says this in, I think it's John chapter 14, 12. He actually says, you guys are going to go on and do greater things than me. Like, that's pretty amazing. All right. And it's the fact that that we aren't doing it, obviously, but that Jesus, uh, we are his hands and feet, but Jesus through us has multiplied his ministry. The multiplication is always the way of the kingdom of God. The Great Commission, again, is about making disciples. This is about multiplications, disciples, making disciples, the make disciples, the make disciples. And this is, this is the primary task for the church today. This, isn't just, this wasn't just, you know, um, something that Jesus said at the end of Matthew, and it was just for those first apostles. This is a continuation that the church is supposed to be doing right now that we're going to, we're supposed to continue doing the message and ministry of Jesus. We're to bring the good news of Jesus and to do good acts just as Jesus did. But the problem is most of the time, instead of the great commission, we do the great omission. I don't know how much time most churches spend in discipling, right? Most of the time we spend a lot of our time getting ready for the big crowd on Sunday morning or right now during COVID-19 or kind of post-COVID-19, I'm kind of in that middle stage, I guess, still, that we spend a lot of time, anyways, getting ready for Sunday. When I preach a sermon, I spend at least probably eight, I don't know, plus hours, 12 hours sometimes or more, just preparing the sermon, not to mention getting ready for worship, um, not to mention visiting sick people or, you know, pastoral phone calls right now. Um, there's a lot actually on a pastor's plate there, you know, getting ready for Bible studies in the week. Uh, you know, the list of demands are a lot in the church. And I think one of the issues is that the pastor is doing too much, that the pastor isn't creating other pastors. There's a great quote by J.D. Greer. Um, it's in his book called Gaining by Losing. And he talks about how the moment when he was ordained, it's the moment that he left the ministry. <laughs> That's what he says in his book. Um, he says, the moment that I was ordained and I, 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 w I left the ministry. And he said that I stopped ministering to people because my main job became equipping others to do the ministry. Now, I do think that the pastor is called to do ministry. The, the, the pastor is called to reach people for Jesus. The pastor is called to pray for people, visit the sick, you know, all those things. The main thing that pastors should be doing 
is equippers. That's what they're meant to be, that they're supposed to be equipping others, that it's the priesthood of all believers, right? That we're supposed to be multiplying and making disciples that make disciples. But how much of our time, energy, and resources are we actually using week to week to invest in lives? Like think about the 12 disciples. Jesus spent the majority of his time and effort, right? Speaking to these 12, letting these 12 watch Jesus, pouring his life into these 12, sitting around the campfires, discussing further what his parables actually meant. That Jesus spent more time with these guys than anybody else. How much time do we actually take time to, and I will just say this, if if Jesus could only disciple 12, you cannot disciple 13 people. You probably can't disciple 12 people. I think at best, we should probably be discipling intentionally six, maybe eight people. And if you're a lay person that's discipling, you could probably be discipling like three or four people. I'm just saying realistically, I mean, Jesus handled 12, but maybe we're not quite Jesus. And let's say, you know, Judas didn't even come close to making it. So, you know, we can't outdo Jesus, but it comes from, my whole point is that it comes from intimate relationships with people, that it actually comes from being really, really small and helping others to catch the vision of reaching the nations for Jesus. It comes to helping others get excited about mission, helping to pour everything that we have, how we read the Bible, uh, how we pray, how we uh, minister to others, how we tell other people about Jesus, right? All those things. We need to be teaching other people to go and to do the same thing. We need to model it. It's not just taught but it's caught, right? We need intentional time of spending deep relationships with people, making disciples that make disciples. J.D. Greer, again, has another great quote uh, from his book, uh, Gaining by Losing. He says, if a church is not pursuing the Great Commission, it really has no point in existing. Ouch. Uh, that statement is really harsh but also has a lot of truth to it, right? That if a church isn't making disciples that make disciples, what's the point? What is it actually doing? This was supposed to be the founding DNA of the church. And we can fill our time with all sorts of demands, but still the primary purpose of the church is to make disciples the make disciples. As leaders in the kingdom of God, the point isn't to make ourselves great, right? This is kind of the model that we have, that the, the leader is, the pastor is the expert, uh, and the pastor also does it all. The pastor is the expert in theology and mission and prayer and, and all these things. And the pastor does the majority of leading, even during Sunday worship. But the point isn't about making ourselves great. The point isn't to be a know-it-all or... Um, to feel elevated above people, right? I think, you know, that, that people want that. <laughs> people kind of want that in, in, in life. But also I think the pastor secretly wants that a little bit, right? That we want to be made to feel important. We want to have that pat on the back after we preach a sermon, right? That you did a great job, pastor. But it isn't about what the pastor can do. It isn't about 
how great we can make ourselves as pastors or as church leaders. And we shouldn't be insecure that others, as we invest in them, that they actually become better than us. You know, Jesus didn't feel insecure when he said, you guys are going to go on and do greater things than me. No, he sent his disciples. And the kingdom of God grows by multiplication as we equip and we invest in others, that we make others greater than ourselves. We're never going to win the nations. In fact, we're never going to win this nation if pastors remain the experts and do all the ministry. We've got to spend time each week making disciples that make disciples. In fact, every believer is given the call to make disciples that make disciples. The question is, will we trust the strategy and method that Jesus gave his disciples? How will you spend your next day, week, or month? How will you make it a priority to invest and make disciples? How will you spend your time, energy, and resources? Because it really, really matters. Will we either fulfill the Great Commission or will we continue in the Great Omission? Be a disciple maker. Thanks for listening to the Big Church, Small Church Podcast, a Church Doctor Ministries production. To download the show notes, go to thesendmovement.com. For questions, coaching, or other network opportunities, contact John Hunter at J-O-N-H-U-N-T-E-R at churchdoctor.org. If you've liked this episode, please give a review, subscribe, and share it on your social media platforms.